Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down there. We'll take a look at our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will also touch on the NBA, and we will have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the iTunes and Spotify. That is your Just In Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And as always, follow the social media handle at JTimeSports. I repeat, at JTimeSports. And then that is on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. I hope you guys had a great uh, New Year. Uh, again, we recorded right on New Year's Eve. I hope you guys had a great New Year. This is the first episode of Season 3. This is the first episode of 2022. I hope you guys are having a great start here in 2022. I hope that, you know, the sports teams are winning and that your New Year's resolutions are going well. Um, I didn't set any this year. So, um, so far, perfect percentage. Um, but I hope everything is going well for you in your life, and I'm glad you are, as always, taking time out of your day to listen to me and gain a little sports knowledge, honestly, and to be better than your friends. I'm just going to be honest. You're being better than your friends by listening to this show, but we are going to jump right into the NFL Week 17, which traditionally used to be my entire life, um, was traditionally the last week of the season. It was 17 games, um... It was uh, 16 games, rather. You know, famously, a lot of teams go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, That was the NFL's ultimate goal. It was like a bell curve. Like, if we've got three teams winning 13 games, they want three teams winning three games. If they've got, you know, five teams winning six games, they want five teams winning 11 games. And then they wanted a whole bunch of teams at 8-8, 9-7, 7-9. That was the ultimate NFL goal for parity. And that, and that still maintains, you know, you want to have as many – Teams with really, really good records is really, really bad records. You want to have as many teams as average records, you know, 7-9 is 9-7. When I would be 8-9 and 9-8 uh, would be the ultimate spot the NFL wants a lot of people in. But, of course, money rules everything. Um, and so they added the 18th week in uh, the 17th game. Um, so 8-8s eight and are gone. Even the Pittsburgh may find a way to do 8-8 eight and eight anyway by tying with the uh, Detroit Lions. But um, the traditional 8-8 eight and eight season is gone. Um, and so now I'm going to talk about, like I said, the traditional final week of the season, um, which many teams, guys are not used to playing that extra game. Like guys like Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know when the last time he's watched the playoffs, you know, so he's used to going to the 18th game anyway. Um, Patrick Mahomes always been in the AFC championship game on the Super Bowl. So, you know, for certain teams, having an extra week is nothing. Um, for other teams, it is brand new territory. Like some of these guys have never played a playoff game and they're going to finally play a 17th game in the season. Um, so that'll be very interesting uh, there. But last week was loaded with some massive games with massive playoff implications. And the first one we're going to jump into is Cincinnati and Kansas City. Now, Kansas City has had a grip on the AFC since Patrick Mahomes took over. He started for three seasons. They have been in an AFC championship game, lost it basically on, a, on an offsides penalty on Frank Clark. Um, then this next year, they win the Super Bowl, coming from coming from 10 down in the fourth quarter against Jimmy G and the 49ers. And in the third year, which is last year, they're in the Super Bowl, but they get mauled by Tampa Bay due to, uh, honestly, a lot of injuries up front for the Chiefs. 
they basically did not have an offensive line by the time they got to uh, the Super Bowl, and the Bucks took massive advantage of that. Ty Bowles had Patrick Mahomes running all over the place, and he still made two of the greatest throws I've ever seen in my life. Uh, both were incomplete, so neither will live on in highlight reels forever. Um, but, I mean, I know you guys remember the play where he's falling, and he throws it as his body is parallel to the ground, and it hits the their target in the face. Think with Darrell Williams um, in the face, and he drops it. I mean, it was it was one of the greatest throws I've ever seen in my life. The only reason why it's not in the easy top three or four is because it wasn't complete. Um, but that was a absolute miracle of a throw. Still don't know how he did it. His body was basically parallel to the ground uh, when he fired it, and it was ridiculous. But Kansas City has had a grip on the AFC, and by, man, by default has had a grip on the young quarterbacks. Think about it. What do we always say about a good AFC quarterback? What do you always hear? Yeah, but Mahomes is in their conference. You know, you always hear that. Yeah, but Mahomes in our conference. It's no different than when a quarterback was coming up in the AFC 10 years ago. Yeah, but Brady's standing there. So, you know, you got to get through Brady. And 10 years ago, you had Brady and Manning if you wanted to rise up through the AFC. It wasn't. Phillip Rivers is an all-time quarterback. Phillip Rivers' entire career exists inside of Tom Brady's. And most of his prime exists inside of Peyton Manning's prime. Like, so when you had to come up through the AFC, you had to either get through Peyton, get through Brady, or both. That's a near impossible task. And, you know, that was always a great team. The AFC North had Big Ben running around, you know. Joe Flacco and that crew was really, really good. Um, Carson Palmer with Chad Johnson. Um, that team, those teams were good. So it was, you know, it was a hard way to get through. And now when you look at the AFC, every young quarterback we talk about, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. What do we, Derek Carr, what do we always say? Yeah, they have a lot of potential, but they got to get through 15 in Kansas City. Every time we say they got to get through 15 in Kansas City. And so anytime Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, etc. plays Patrick Mahomes, Herbert does twice a year because he um, is in his division. Burrow is presumed they're going to play him a lot, either in the playoffs or like next year, they're going to be in the schedule because they're both first place in their division. So they're going to play again next year. Um, you, you get a lot of. You, you get it circled. It's circled. It's circled by the fan base. It's circled by the media as, okay, Mahomes is one, but who's his two in terms of the young quarterbacks, even in the league, but especially in the AFC. And so Joe, what Joe Burrow did and how he did it, he's not better than Patrick Mahomes, but he may have taken over the number two slot in the young quarterback race. Um, and for talent-wise, for me, for the most talented young quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes is Josh Allen. Um, six foot six, six foot seven, or six foot five, six foot six, 230 pounds, can throw further than Mahomes, obviously can run. He's the team best running back. Like, I mean, he, he throws a football like it's a pee, like it's like it's a, like it's a shot put. He just, he just fires it off his shoulder and it's coming out 80 mile an hour, 50 yards down the field. You know, it's, it's an incredibly impressive arm. Um, and obviously he's the best running young quarterback, not named Lamar Jackson. Um, and then I'll probably go Justin Herbert after that because he's Josh Allen, but a little bit skinnier, a little bit slower, his arms a little bit weaker. It's, and, and by little, I mean it's a little on both on all three of those fronts um, because people didn't know how good his arm was really in college. He didn't really get flashed a lot at Oregon system. Um, and then I'd probably go Joe Burrow after that, Lamar one of the top five. No shade to Lamar, um, but in terms of arm, he's the fifth on the list. Um, in terms of consistent offense, 
he's fifth on the list. In terms of a downfield playoff style offense, he's fifth on the list. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's no shade to Lamar. He's the most special athlete, a quarterback you've ever seen. Um, and his, his throwing ability has massively improved since he's gotten to the NFL, but he's the fifth best out of those young guns. You see, I had Joe Burrow at four. After the season, I got Joe Burrow at two. He's not as talented as the three in front of him, but he's a better football player. He's a better gamer than Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. Um, Joe Burrow is putting together a stretch these last two games. I know it's two games. You know, Cam had his famous two-game stretch when he got to the NFL, 400 yards and 400 yards again. He's never thrown 400 yards again in his career. Um, but Joe Burrow is putting together a very similar stress to what he did in, in the uh, college football playoff in 2019 for LSU, where he had like 800, 900 yards in between the two games, eight, nine touchdowns, no picks, you know, passer rating through the roof and victories. He's pretty much done the same thing these last two games. I believe he has 850 some odd yards, nine touchdowns, no picks, passer rating through the roof, and they've won both games including an absolute showdown with the Chiefs. And um, the game ended weird. They ran like the nine plays inside the three, basically, because they got penalties. And Joe Burrow didn't even finish the game. He limped off, um, which had the back quarterback taking the knee uh, to get icy down so that Evan McPherson can knock through the game winner. Um, But absolutely crazy game. Um, This is going to be bad. It's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Patrick Mahomes versus anybody can be fun for a long time because you know it's going to be high scoring. You know the other coach is going to take chances. Brandon Staley has showed you in, in with the Chargers, he's going to take chances. Um, Zach Taylor took some chances when he, with, with Joe Burrow. Um, you look at the Raiders have gone pretty aggressive when they play Kansas City because you know you're going to have to keep up. And so it's going to force these young quarterbacks to keep up to Patrick Mahomes. Um, and it's a good chance that Mahomes sees Herbert twice, Burrow, and Allen next year because Allen has a good chance of winning the division. Um, and so all that, you know, when you win a division, get the first place schedule, you play all the other division winners in your conference. Um, so there's a good chance that Mahomes, we have four games. We have all the young guys playing each other, um, which would be absolutely massive. All the young guys, Sands, Lamar, unless their schedule meets up, taking their shot at Mahomes. Um, so this would be just absolutely spectacular next year if that would have happened. Great game, though, Kansas City and Cincinnati. Um, all uh, that was that was a great game. That was an insane game. Uh, both quarterbacks, Jamar Chase, my God, 266 yards or something like that. Um, 11 catches, just unguardable at this point, uh, especially with Burrow throwing him the ball and the chemistry they have. Insane. The next game we're going to talk about is Arizona and Dallas, and this game was important for a lot of reasons. Arizona was slumping, and uh, this was not the Arizona. That we saw in the first, uh, not the Arizona we saw in the first, you know, seven weeks. They were seven and zero, riding high. They had smashed the Rams. They had beaten, you know, everybody that was kind of tough on their schedule. They had took down, beat beat San Francisco, smashed the Rams, and they were rolling. And then they lost to Green Bay, and Green Bay was down eleven starters. The loss was bad because I mean it was the AJ Green. Never turned his head around. But what also happened in that game was Kyler Murray limped off. And Kyler is a smaller gentleman. He's a smaller guy. I mean, he just, I mean, three years ago, just started putting, when he got drafted, was the first time in his life he was a 100% football player. Because his body was doing double duty. He was doing baseball training, 
and football training and probably more football probably more baseball than football because he already agreed to go to the a's when they drafted him he took the bonus and they let him play his senior year of football i bet the a's regret that decision but they let him play his uh his year of football oklahoma because he already took the bonus money and kind of one of those okay go play football we'll see you when you get back you'll jump right into the minor league program or whatever and so his body is already smaller and it is not all and, and he is struggling with physical uh he is struggling with physical ability at times with those injuries because again his body wasn't used to taking hits primarily and stuff like that so he limped off and arizona called him a slumped um they were on a losing streak they pretty much i mean they had they were seven and zero, and now they're sitting at 10 and 10 and 6 11 and 5, you know, they went into a period where they were 4 and 4 or 3 and 4 entering the game against Dallas. And so they were looking for some kind of bounce back. For Dallas, they were looking to prove they were a real team. Michael Parsons said it. He said it straight up like this is a this is a benchmark game for us. This could be a game we can look at and say we did this. We proved it. That is a good team over there and we beat them. Um, because they, you know, look I mean, look at the record this year. They're 6 and 0 against the NFC East and they're 5 and 6 against everybody else. You know, it's kind of like um, they're an average team when they don't play the NFC East. They're a world beard. If they could play the NFC East every single game, they'd win the Super Bowl every single year. Um, you look at Dak Prescott's history as his, as his career. You look at his and look at the Cowboys' record this year. They are a different ball club when they're not playing the NFC East. Not shocking. The NFC East is terrible. Um, and so this is the game for them to prove it. And all they proved was that Kyler Murray is still the best player in the history of Texas high school football. Why is that relevant? Because he has never lost a game in that stadium. He has never lost a football game dating back to the time he stepped on the field for Allen High his freshman year. He has never lost a game inside of AT&T Stadium. He never lost a game in high school. Um, he won all his state championships there. He's won the college games he's played there. And he's won the uh, NFL games he's played there. He has never lost a game in, in Dallas uh, inside of AT&T Stadium. Uh, massively impressive win for the Cardinals because they had to do a little ugly. It was 25-22. Um, it wasn't the flying circus that they're used to at times with, you know, obviously D-Hop's out. They didn't have James Conner, so they had to kind of improvise on the fly. The defense came to play. Dak's in a slump. All right? Dak, Dak's in a slump. I, I, I know we keep talking about, oh, you know, Dak's not in a slump. If Dak's not in a slump, then that's who he is. Because honestly, him and Kirk Cousins' number look a lot alike. Kirk Cousins gets the bad rap, and Kirk Cousins didn't have a Cowboys fan base, and Kirk Cousins has all these different things. Him and his numbers and Dak's numbers look an awful lot alike. One's regarded, one got paid $75 million this year, you know, this massive contract extension. The other's regarded as, as, as a bottom tier quarterback you need to replace. And I just I just don't understand. Um, it feels like a lot of fanfare helps Dak out. Um in terms of how he's perceived around the league. But again, his biggest strength has always been his intangibles and his tangibles. At a certain point, that could be drying up. They have a lot of money invested in a lot of positions. They're going to have to start shedding money eventually. So unless the draft keeps hitting, they're going to be in a situation. And, you know, they're going to have to figure something out. You look at guys like, you know, we start taking guys away. Look at Baker Mayfield when guys got injured. Well, that's the reality when you pay a quarterback $40 million. Well, that guy's not injured. That's the starter. You know, Dak Prescott. That offensive line is old and expensive. 
They're going to have to start shading O-line pieces off. O-line training is not nearly as it was good 10, 15 years ago, thanks, thanks to the CBA, amongst other things. But thanks to the CBA, they don't hit. They don't wear pads. They don't get into a, con a continuous unit. Um, and so they're going to have to figure it out in Dallas. And I don't know if Dak's that guy. I have my doubts. I still have my doubts. Um, but they're going to have to figure something out there because Arizona came in there and pretty much out physical them again. Um, they did it last year, do a lot worse than this. Uh, then they turned around and did it this year. So Dallas going to have to figure something out how to not keep getting punched in the mouth um, by Arizona. Las Vegas uh, played Indy in a, in a game that was incredibly important. This, was, this game was sneaky important um, because Indy wins, they get in. And if Vegas wins, they set up what we have now, which is uh, a, a winner-take-all. They put themselves in a winner-take-all scenario for the playoffs. Um, uh, again, Annapolis wins, and they're in. There was no hoopla. They control their own destiny. They they win, and they're in. Um, and so it was a massive game for Indy and Vegas accordingly. And, and both teams came out and played like it was that they came out physical they came out tough both teams came out with a mindset of we win we're in and it, and it was a great game to see because it was two teams that knew that they had to play at their best uh and the the best players on each team came out hunter renfro made the massive play at the end obviously for the raiders jonathan taylor was his dominant self he's gonna win best running back he's he's obviously the uh the Pro Bowl running back. He's going to be first team all pro at running back. Um, the Colts offensive line went to work. Carson Wentz made a couple of big time throws. Derek Carr made just as many, if not more, big time throws. Um, the kicking games was good. Obviously, Daniel Carlson banged it through the pipes to win the game for the Raiders. It was just, it was a great game, and you saw two teams that felt like a play. I felt like a four-five matchup in the playoffs. Uh, you know, like that four-five where. The five usually has a better record than the four, but the four is hosting. So now the four is the four sees at a strategic advantage because they're hosting at the post. You know, it was one of those matchups, man. Three six usually two teams with pretty much similar records. Um, and so that was a great, great all. That was a great game in the regular season, especially like I said, that used to be the last game. But now you set up an even different scenario. Both teams still have a shot of the playoffs. Indy obviously win, and they're in this week. Um, as opposed to Vegas, same thing. Vegas win, wins against the Chargers. They're in this week. We'll speak about uh, the Chargers and Raiders a little bit more a little bit later. Um, and then it set up, obviously, the nightcap. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Uh, Big Ben's last ride. Uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, I'm sorry. Uh, Big Ben's last ride in Heinz Field. Uh, obviously, he expected to either retire or to move on from Pittsburgh. I'm leaning towards retire. Um, you know, early in the year, it was spoke about that Pittsburgh was over him. You know, it was reported Pittsburgh was done with the Big Ben era. Um, and if he wants to keep playing, it's going to have to be somewhere outside of Heinz Field. Um, after watching him play this season, listening to him talk all week, then especially after the game, how he did the lap around Heinz Field and all that stuff, I think it's over for Big Ben. I think he's retiring. Um... I honestly would have loved for that to be his last game instead of, you know, instead of, oh, we got to go play Baltimore. We still got to shot the playoffs. I would have loved for that to have been his last game um, 
it, it, it was so storybook. Everything about it was storybook until you realize it wasn't the end. Um, that he that he had to go play another last game. He won. He threw a touchdown. He had one of those signature Big Ben scramble out, fire it moments. Um, he took a knee to end the game, so the ball was literally in his hands as the clock, as the t- clock ran out. Um, he took a lap around the field. His family was there at the tunnel. Like you said, my kids are old enough to understand what's going on. You know, it's kind of like it's not, um, you know, it's not like he has two and three-year-olds. Where it's like, oh, what's why is everybody around daddy? You know, it's like he had kids old enough to understand what the moment meant. Um, you know, it was all, like he said, all the thank you Ben signs and the towels and the jerseys and the, you know, and all the support that Ben's been getting over the past few days. I don't know, about a week now since it pretty much came out. He, he pretty much said in the interview that he was done. Um, there's going to be his last ride at Heinz Field. Could he still host a playoff game? Yeah, technically. They could be the sixth seed and the seventh seed playing it. Them in the seventh seed playing the eighth championship game. Okay, it's possible. But for all intents and purposes, that was the last ride um, for Big Ben. And so what a way to go out. Beating a division rival. Um, like I said, taking a knee with the ball in your hands to end the game. Um, he did it with tears. He walked on the field with tears in his eyes because it was his last walk on. And he walked off same way. It was his last walk off. Um, hell of a career, Big Ben. I wrote your eulogy last year, so I won't repeat it. Um, I, won't, I, I won't be that guy. Um, you know, and we and guys who spoke about, man, his career could have been better. He got two Super Bowls. I don't think he won the league MVP. But he got two Super Bowls. He had all the physical gifts on the planet. He, like I said, he was six foot six. When he goes into the Hall of Fame, he'll be the biggest quarterback in there. Literally. He'll be the largest quarterback ever inducted in the Hall of Fame. Six foot six, 250 pounds in his prime in his prime, couldn't move a little bit. Wouldn't go down on the first contact. It was it was it was massively impressive, his physical traits. Uh, absolute cannon of an arm. Um, and two Super Bowl rings. So congratulations, Big Ben, on a hell of a career. And of course. The major story that is still happening, Antonio Brown explosion. Um, down at the time, the Bucks were down 10 of 24 against the New York Jets. And all of a sudden, AB explodes on the sideline, rips off his shoulder pads and jersey, tosses them on the bench. Rips off his gloves, tosses those in the crowd, takes off his undershirt, tosses that in the crowd, and proceeds to jog out of the stadium. He gave a peace sign to the fans, got him hyped up on the way out the end zone, was going through the tunnel and was almost grabbed by a security officer because or if you see the video he is grabbed by a security officer and then the officer scanned back and said and was like oh wait that no that's antonio brown like that's not some random fan streaking across the stadium that's was supposed to be the at this point the best receiver on the Tampa Bay buccaneers running out without his what is happening um and so of course and there's ab there is drama and there is leaks um, and so Bruce Arians right after the game, he's no longer a buck. And I'm, and I'm sure that BA addressed it because Brady came out right after the interview as well saying, you know, basically very PR, you know, tough situation, da 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 da. Um, we, we, she gets the help that he needs, but first we going to be with this team, et cetera. You know, it's very, it was very PR spun. Um, and then of course, AB settled on a few days and then the, and the message started flying out. He released a statement. Uh, regarding an ankle injury that the Bucks knew about, they tried to make him play through, or he decided to play through. And then when pain got too much, he was going to take himself out. Um, and BA had the force him to play through it. Um, 
ultimately AB refused, citing the ankle. And the NBA told him, you know what, you're done, get out. And so AB got out. Um, now that was AB's spin. That was AB's take. Bruce Arians has responded, saying that, no, he blew up in the locker room about targets. Then he blew up on the sideline again about targets. Then we had the sideline exposed, the sideline exchange about the ankle. Uh, because he, BA said, I called for the personnel group that he was in, that he'd been playing in. He, he wouldn't go in. Uh, he said it again. He wouldn't go in. Then BA sent him out. Um, there was no exchange about an ankle anything like that. Well, Antonio Brown tweets out a, a screenshot of him telling BA about his ankle with a picture of him at the doctor with his ankle being worked on. Um, part of the statement also read things along the lines of that he has a bone chip, stuff that's loose. He needs surgery, etc., etc. Um, he also, Antonio Brown also a conversation with him and Alex Guerrero, who is Tom Brady's personal aging guru at this point, about uh, he never worked on AB, but AB paid him 100K anyway, um, but he wants 100K back. It was, it was that, that screenshot was weird. It even included Antonio Brown's account and routing number, um, which was strange, uh, to say the least, that he just posted it on Twitter, and it obviously out there perpetuity. Um, you know, it's... I don't know who to believe. I believe both to an extent. Do I believe that AB had an ankle injury? Yes. Do I believe that AB told the uh, Bruce Arians about an ankle injury? Yes. Do I believe the team was aware of an ankle injury? Yes. Why? The team was confirmed that they knew about an ankle injury. The team also stated that they tried to get AB to go to an outside physician, orthopedic person this week, and he didn't cooperate. Which would explain why they would waited so long to release him. They were trying to go see just how bad the ankle was. And if it truly was something that it's a miracle you played, it's one of those maybe we can sweep it under the rug moments. You know, kind of. Or we put you or we get we get you to surgery, put you on IR, and that's that kind of thing. Like you wouldn't play anymore, but you would put on IR, go get your ankle surgery, and we'll deal with you in the offseason if we got to. That sort of thing. Um but he wouldn't go, and that's when the that's when the Bucks released him. Do I believe A B when he said he was told to get out? Yes, both sides confirmed that. Do I believe A B when he said he was hurt? Yeah, again, both sides confirmed that. Do I believe that he blew up by targets? Yeah. Do I believe the target contributed? Absolutely. Do I give any excuse to Antonio Brown for acting the way he did? Of course not. But A B like A B said, I was told to get out. I was cut. In my mind, I was cut. So I left. Now, does that give you the right to throw, you know, all else? No, it doesn't. Take it. No, it doesn't. Um, but hey, you know, you, this is the risk you're only signing Antonio Brown. Massive talent, all-time talent, but he's got all-time demons. Um, and so, he's his his career should have been a Hall of Fame. I will put his six-year stretch in Pittsburgh where he averaged something like 110 catches. 1400 yards and eight nine touchdowns a year if not more i would put that up against anybody's six-year stretch it was ridiculous what him and big ben did um and his talent is still there obviously but he 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 he, he the help he needs he can't get on a football field he can't get on a football team um and so hopefully he gets that help and i'll, I'll see him on the field again he's an all-time talent um but at the moment he just he's not right for football but up next, we're going to shift to week 18 and talk about what's going down there.
welcome back into the show and now we're gonna talk about nfl week 18 of course it's just like last year last week of the season brand new week though first of week 18 uh but just like last year when teams are locked up players don't play for instance if you're on the packers why would you play uh, I know Matt LaFleur has stated that he doesn't want his team to have basically three weeks off. He's a better man than me. Um, Aaron Rodgers shouldn't play. Maybe Devontae Adams just a series or two will work. You mean you want guys to go through their regular preparation and further game, um, warm up like they normally would, and tell them, hey, you got 15 plays or you got two possessions, whichever one comes first. Um, you know, and get them out the game. I mean, there's, there's no risk of injury. If I'm Aaron, like I said, Aaron Rodgers, don't see this field. Don't get anywhere near it. He's got how he got a broken toe uh, when, he, when he took the week off after the Kansas City debacle with the whole COVID situation. He said that was the best time his toe has ever felt. He did last week was the first time he's experienced no pain while playing on it. Um, and so guess what? Part two. Uh, t- take a seat, buddy. Uh, Jordan Love, start number two. Let's see what you got. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have Aaron Rodgers anywhere near the field. Other starters I get. Like I said, main guys. Uh, your Devontae Adams. Um, your Aaron Jones, hell, even AJ Dillon, um, you know those guys. Maybe a maybe a pass rusher is a really important pass rusher, or a really important corner, or something like Jair Alexander was healthy, or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't play them more than 15, 20 plays, and then get them out the game. So like the first quarter, you're out. Um, would be my strategy with those guys. But I mean, I got, like I said, I get it. Nobody else really is in that situation. Because um, the AFC is completely top to turvy, and anybody else in the NFC can lose their spot. So the Packers are gonna sit a lot of guys, but everyone pretty much would know where they stand, um, or close to know where they stand for the game start for their game starts. Because of which, picking important games became intriguing. It became more of a who has to play kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It it kind of became a who has to play. Uh, kind of moment, and so the game that both teams kind of have to play is New Orleans and Atlanta. At Atlanta, it's a rivalry game. Uh, these two teams will not like each other. If you're from Louisiana, if you're from Atlanta, if you're a Saints fan, if you're a Falcons fan, you know what this rivalry is like. Um, one of the true college field rivalries. You know, it feels like Michigan Ohio State. It feels like LSU Alabama. It feels like um, USC UCLA. You know, what I'm saying it feels like Texas Oklahoma. It's one of those true draw a line in the sand you can't like both rivalries um and so saints travel well to atlanta atlanta travel well to new orleans um both cities will try like i said will travel well to each other both cities have great culture and stuff like that so this game is truly a rivalry game and it's a big game for both atlanta this could be matt ryan's last game in a in mercedes-benz stadiums as your starting quarterback I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It could be the last time Matt Ryan, just like just like uh, Big Ben had his walk, Matt Ryan probably should take a walk too. This could be his last time as the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, and he'll get his last shot in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, and so this is a big game for him. Um, and conversely, look at the Saints side of things. If you're the Saints, you have a playoff shot. Now, now I don't know off the top of my head if, if San Francisco goes first. Or not because that'll decide whether New Orleans has a shot. Um, because San Fran controls the spot New Orleans needs to get to. But if San Fran were to lose, New Orleans now has an opportunity to get into the playoffs. Um, 
the Saints play at 325, and so do the 49ers. So the Saints will be on the field, scoreboard watching, I'm sure. Um, the 49ers versus the Rams because the the, the 49ers control the spot that the Saints are trying to get to. Um, it's a big game for a lot of people in New Orleans. You know, Cam Jordan is on a pretty decent tear as of late. Taysom Hill, every game, every snap he takes is a tryout. Plan to be the quarterback next season. Um, a lot of those Saints defenders, you know, the Saints gonna make decisions cap wise. They don't have a quarterback in the house. Uh, Taysom Hill, okay. Ian Book, okay. And Jameis Winston is on the roster currently, but he is not under contract for next season. Um, and before his injury was putting together a pretty decent tape. Um, for to put his name out there in the world as a potential maybe stopgap for somebody or a re- legitimate starter, you know you look at you can look at a Jameis Winston in the New York uh, Giants. You can look at a Jameis Winston um, for Miami. You know there's there's teams that could capitalize on his ability to get the ball down the field um, a little bit better than the Saints can personnel wise, but. It's a big game because you're gonna have to make, like I said, cap decisions. You're gonna have to make financial decisions. Taysom Hill comes out, rips this, rips that Falcons defense up. San Fran loses, and Taysom Hill led the team to the playoffs. You know, Sean Payton seems to love him. So what do you do with a quarterback? Conversely, he comes out there, plays horrible. Well, now he's on the contract for the next like three or four seasons. What do you do at quarterback? Um, his contract has that weird escalator if he becomes a starter. Um, very unique deal. I've never seen one like it. Um, but hey, what's what happens when the head coach likes you and believes in you? Um, like I said, so Atlanta could be Matt Ryan's last ride as a Falcon starting quarterback for New Orleans. You are scoreboard watching while playing your own game because this game could get you in the playoffs. Despite all the adversity and the injuries and the COVID and everything else, the New Orleans Saints could end up in the playoffs after all. Pittsburgh at Baltimore is another game where everyone has to play. Now, Lamar Jackson will not play uh, due to ankle injury. He hasn't practiced, legitimately practiced in three weeks. Uh, he had that one practice where he limped around, um, and it was just, it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't great. Um, but he hasn't legitimately practiced in three weeks. That won't change today. Um, and so, Baltimore will go into the game with Tyler Huntley. Um, against Big Ben, and presumably what is Big Ben's last ride. And I only say that because the only way Pittsburgh gets to the playoffs is if Indianapolis loses to Jacksonville, and there is a negative 5% chance that happens. So this is Big Ben's last time, presumably, as of right now, on an NFL football field as someone starting quarterback. Because, again, I don't see him dragging himself into somebody's office, a Denver or someone like that, and saying, let me be your quarterback. Like, it doesn't feel Big Ben. He, that emotion came out of him during that game, after the game, pregame, you know, just all arounding. Uh, that was 24 hours, uh, postgame interviews, everything. Not of a guy whose last game's in Pittsburgh. Not of a guy who thinks there's more for me. That that came out of a guy who thinks this is, who thinks this is the end. Um, and so I think this is going to be his last game with NFL starting quarterback. It'll be 249 starts for the Steelers. Um, it'll be the most all-time in a Steelers uniform, all that. Uh, but I think this is his last ride as an NFL quarterback, his last time leading the huddle, his last time leading the troops on the field, his last game at Baltimore. How fitting is that? Um, you know, he ended against the Ravens, who was his biggest rival his entire career. Um, you know, and it, it, it's, it's an important game. 
But like I said, they're playing everyone because they can get in. Now, Baltimore's not. So Baltimore's already putting guys on IR. Like, they put the fullback on IR. Uh, Lamar won't go on, but, you know, he's not going to play. You know, they're, they're starting to end guys' season, start vacation early, tell guys what their plans is for the offseason, etc. Um, as of right now. But Pittsburgh, man, they're playing for a lot. You know, Indy loses, and I, I've said it to a few friends of mine, all hell breaks loose. Because then so many other scenarios domino in, um, including a very interesting one I'll talk about in a few minutes. But Pittsburgh, man, kudos to Big Ben again. Uh, they got, they're playing for a lot. You know, they're playing for a playoff shot to give Big Ben one last opportunity in the postseason. Um, I don't think they'll get it because, again, Indy has to lose to Jacksonville, which I don't see that happening. Um, but kudos to the Steelers organization and everyone involved. Uh, Baltimore, we keep it. Baltimore make it interesting. I mean, Tyler Huntley's a very interesting guy. His first start, he had two touchdowns rushing and two touchdowns passing, a feat no one has done all season um, besides him. So, very impressive uh, from Tyler Huntley. Last time we saw him start, or first time we saw him start. Another game where everyone has to play and it holds massive implications is San Francisco at the Rams. And actually, it, it's one of those situations where the next game, I'm going to talk about Seattle and Arizona. Hinges on the same thing. So all four of these teams are NFL, uh, NFC West teams. Uh, three of them are going to the playoffs. Seattle is not. Seattle's already eliminated. But they are still playing because they have no first-round pick. So there's no benefit to them losing. You actually help the Jets. Um, so they're going to play their guys. Arizona is going to play their guys because they can still win the division. While, the, while Seattle and Arizona game is going on, simultaneously, San Fran and the Rams is going, will be going on. So you know how I spoke about... School, the Saints are going to be scoreboard watching the, the 49ers. The Cardinals are going to be scoreboard watching the 49ers too. So if the Rams are up 30 points in the third quarter, it, it might, the message might go down the car on the sideline. Yeah, fellas, pack it in. Big time names Christian Kirk, Kyler Murray, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, whatever, take a seat because they're not coming back. And the only way you guys can move anywhere is if they come back. Um, and so that could be the message. Or conversely, you know, you the Saints players look up and see San Fran's up 30, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter. All right, guys, pack it in. You know, the season's over. Um, and so there's so many different scenarios here. In which case, you know, you could just scoreboard watching, but you're also trying to play your own game. For Arizona, this is a big game for you. This is a big game for you. And playoff implications or not, this game is massive. Why? The only good team you've beaten since week eight, week seven or week eight, it was the Cowboys. That's it. The only sign of a team you looked like the first seven weeks against a decent opponent was the Cowboys. So Arizona needs this game for confidence. They need this game for cohesion. They need this game for chemistry. Um, because, again, the only time they have looked anywhere similar to the team they were in the first seven games was against the Dallas Cowboys. And then, obviously, the states cannot be understated for San Fran versus the Rams. San Fran win, they're in. San Fran loses, all hell breaks loose. It's very similar to what Indianapolis holds in the AFC. Um, Indianapolis is when they're in, lose, all hell breaks loose. And that's pretty much where we're at with San Fran as well. Win, they're in. No way fans are supposed to They're in. They're the sixth seed. They're hanging out. And presumably they will go play um, Tampa. Lose? All hell breaks loose. The Saints have a shot to get in. 
Um, a few other teams now all of a sudden have a shot to get in. Um, so it cannot be understated for the 49ers. And for the Rams, you have a shot at securing the two seed um, and not being the wild card. So the two seed used to be the buy. It is no longer the buy. You would be the highest ranked non-buy team, obviously. Um, but it would secure the division in Stafford McVay year one. Um, it would keep the plucky Cardinals, obviously, out of the division. It would make them go on the road. You would host, uh, presumably at this point, Philly, um, instead of going on the road to Dallas. Um, so it'd be, it, it's, it cannot be understated for the Rams how important this game is, for, again, from a confidence point. From a, uh, you know, it's, it's a little differently hosting your first playoff game as a duo than going on the road and trying to do it. Um, being road warriors as opposed to at least hosting one, if not two rounds of the playoffs. And lastly, the game of the week as it sits right now in terms of importance, Chargers at Vegas. Cannot be understated. When you're in, lose, you're at home. Period. There's only one caveat to this, and that's if the Steelers lose. If the Steelers lose, both, well, sorry, if the Colts lose, the Chargers and the Raiders can get in with a tie. It's the craziest quirk ever. Because the Steelers get in with a Colts loss and a Colts loss, the Steelers themselves win, and the Chargers and Raiders don't tie. So as long as they don't tie, the Steelers can get in if the Colts lose. If the Colts lose, the Chargers and Raiders could tie and they both get in at 6 or 7 seed. Um, I've never heard of that before. That is the first playoff clincher scenario I've ever heard of, which was, bro, we could just tie. Like, I don't, and you don't make that call, obviously. But if I'm a coach, uh, if I'm in some Friday in the organization, I didn't say the coach, if I'm trying in the organization, I make a couple of phone calls. Hey, hey, game gets close. Let's say it's uh, three seconds left. And you could hail Mary to try and win it, and you could field goal to pro- probably tie it, and um, in overtime, kick a field goal to probably tie it because you because you probably miss a 63-yard field goal, or you could throw the hail Mary and have a chance at a DPO, a defense pass interference, or even catching it and scoring. Let's both get in the playoffs. How about the person who's going to kick it kicks the field goal? If he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, we both get in. Um, because it's too hard to plan for a tie. It's nearly impossible. But the Vegas, it's the last game of Week 18. It was the NFL did a great thing. The NFL decided we're not going to announce the TV schedule because we haven't made it yet. We're going to let Week 18 be the ultimate shuffle day where you can play on Saturday, you can play on Sunday, you can play during the day, you can play during the night. You don't know because we don't know how important certain games are and you only want important games in primetime slots so sunday night football is the chargers and the raiders um last game of week 18 someone's future is going to be dashed and someone's dreams are going to be happy either the raiders through all their mess through all the john gruden and the henry Ruggs and the damon arnett's and the uh the other guy with the dui and all this other darren waller's injury stuff like that are going to make the playoffs or the Chargers with rookie head coach Brandon Staley being questioned about the four downs, injury concerns everywhere, Justin Herbert's slump, um, a rookie left tackle, all that, the injuries, the, the, the mini COVID scare, Austin Eckler situation, all of that, they could get in the playoffs. 
Um, so this is incredibly massive game. I'm so glad the NFL is doing week 18 like this. Um, I get not doing it for the other weeks because you don't know. But having week 18 uh, be this ultimate TV product where the main game on the main station will be a very important game for the playoffs. I absolutely love that great idea by the NFL. But let's take a look really quickly at some potential playoff matchups as it sits right now. So for the AFC, if the season ended like it normally would in Week 17, Tennessee Titans would have the bye. That's Sands, Derrick Henry for two months. That's without Julio Jones for several weeks and A.J. Brown for several weeks. So kudos to um, Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff. This is without Arthur Brown. Arthur Smith, rather. Arthur Smith used to be the OC. Now he's the head coach in Atlanta. It's without him. Um, so kudos to uh, Mike Vrabel. But that means Kansas City would host the Los Angeles Chargers for the second time. Uh, it'll be the third time they would play. They have split the meeting. Both teams won on the road. Cincinnati would host the Indianapolis Colts in a very intriguing game. Cincinnati doesn't have a good run defense. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's first-team all-pro running back. Conversely, the Colts don't have a great secondary. You saw what Cincinnati did, too, um, in their last couple of games. Although the Colts do have a pretty good up, uh, front four and front seven, which will test that Cincinnati offensive line, stretch it, and probably break it a couple of times. Um, so that'll be a very interesting game. And then another division matchup. The Bills would host the Patriots for the second time. They'd be the third time they would play. Obviously, the first game was the famous three-pass attempt game where the Patriots ran the ball 37 times, including 20 times straight, uh, 31 times straight, uh, ran it for a total of 45, 50 times, I think, um, and beat the Bills. And then the Bills go into Foxborough, and Josh Allen doesn't have crazy wins, so he throws it all over the yard, and the Bills win. Um, and so, another again, another division matchup. Another matchup where it's be the third time you play the same exact team. And for the Patriots, it's even weirder. It'll be the third time you play in five, six weeks. Because at least KC had massive breaks between them times playing the Chargers. The Patriots and Bills were two games with three weeks apart. And then three weeks later, you'd play them again in the playoffs. So three out of six weeks, you'd be, you'd be prepping for the Bills. Um, or the Bills prepping for the Patriots. So that's a little bit of a quirk. And in the NFC, Green Bay would have the bye. Uh, it's clinched, so the bye is over in the NFC. They're the only playoff position that is finalized. Um, and, and the Cowboys being the 4C. But uh, they're the only playoff position that is currently solidified. Rams would host Philadelphia. That would be a very interesting game. Philadelphia has a run-based team, and the Rams have Aaron Donald. Um, so that's a very interesting uh, comparison. And conversely, the, the Philly does have a decent secondary. So that's going to put a little bit of a stress on that passing game. Also, Philly can, uh, can rush the passer. So that would be a very interesting game there. Tampa would host San Francisco. San Fran is a team I, do, I would not want to see in the playoffs. Uh, Jimmy G's a gamer when he's healthy. That run game is pretty spectacular. The Tampa Bay Bucks are still injured, still trying to recoup, still trying to get guys back. Um, so that would not be a good situation for the Tampa Bay Bucks. It would actually, in my opinion, lean to San Fran being a potential uh, upset in that game. And then lastly, it would be Dallas hosting Arizona again. Um, I don't see how Dallas fixes the physical shortcomings they have against Arizona, which in my opinion is the only way for them to beat Arizona would be to figure out the physical shortcomings that they have against uh, Kyler Murray's crew. But that would be the matchups as it sits right now. So it would be KC hosting the Chargers, Cincinnati hosting the Colts, Bills hosting the Patriots, Rams hosting the Eagles, 
Tampa hosting the 49ers, and Dallas hosting Arizona with Tennessee and Green Bay having the buys. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. Welcome back into the show, and now we are going to jump into our increasingly successful NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. Now, last week we did pretty well, three and two. Um, Admittedly, this will be the hardest week, because like I spoke about in the earlier segment, I spoke about the fact that I don't know who's playing, I don't know who's in, I don't know who's out. Uh, for instance, I mean, I predicted Lamar Jackson would be out. John Harbaugh announced a couple minutes ago that Lamar Jackson's out. Uh, Tyler Hunter's going to play that game. So, you know, it, it, uh, it affects the betting line a little bit. Um, although I don't have that game in my Jacks pack because I don't know, you know, I don't know who's going to be up, who's going to be down. But, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much you have to pick out of the games where you know who's going to do what and when. Um, so this is a major game, uh, ma- uh, kind of a hard week. A major weekend in terms of betting, um, kind of a hard week in terms of do so, but a chance for you to make some good money if you really pay attention uh, to who's in, who's out, um, who has to play, who's not, game time, etc. Um, so we're going to start off with, the I think, the easiest number of the week, which is Indy minus 11 over Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville is concerned about their next head coach. I know Daryl Bevel, who was the offensive coordinator at Amber Meyer. Um, has given a play calling responsibilities in order to truly be evaluated as a head coach and not a uh, interim head coach slash offensive coordinator. You know, he wants to truly be evaluated as a head coach. And they're, I mean, they're interviewing Kellen Moore today. They're interviewing Byron Leftwich today. They have an interview scheduled with Bill O'Brien after the national championship game. Um, you know, stuff like that. So the Jaguars aren't really focused on winning week 18. A lot of the players are worried about their vacations they've got planned. Um, how can they get out of the game healthy, not go through offseason or rehab, more of offseason or training, etc. And for the Colts, they have to win this game. Uh, because remember, I spoke about it early, earlier. I said San Fran was in the same spot, which is winning their end, losing all hell breaks loose. If the Colts lose this game, they have effectively no path to the playoff. Um, could they lose and a bunch of chaos happen around them and they still get in? Sure. But is that likely? No. They control their own destiny. They're playing Jacksonville. Uh, they're playing in warm weather as opposed to playing, you know, I mean, they play in a dome, so it's not really a big deal there. But they're playing in warm weather. A Jacksonville team not trying to get hurt. They have to They have to win this game. It'll be great to dominate Jacksonville and go in the playoffs rolling. So I've got Indy minus 11 over Jacksonville. Next game on the agenda is Tennessee minus 10 at Houston. Now, Houston is starting Davis Mills. We spoke about Davis Mills earlier in the year, or last year, rather. And I spoke about Davis Mills as a guy who was the top high school-rated quarterback. He was one of, if not the top high school-rated quarterback in his class, chose Stanford, and would be a would have been a first-round pick if he stayed healthy. He's had an injury problem. His, he reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of a glass man. Um, now, he is an absolute football player he can play football he's a great quarterback talent wise he just has a glass body and so if they can keep him healthy in houston he will be very good for them for a long time but 
he is um, going to be a good quarterback. And Houston seems to like him. There's even reports coming out of Houston now that he may ultimately um, decide to uh, be the – they may ultimately decide rather to make him the guy next year uh, while they either draft the quarterback or they just wait and see what they have in him. But the, for, for this game, it's huge for Tennessee. It's huge for Tennessee. Derrick Henry started practicing again this week. Uh, he got surgery about two months ago on his foot. He started practicing again this week. He's not going to play this week, obviously. But in theory, they might, if he's in a wild card situation and he fills up to it, they may push him to play 20 snaps, 25 snaps in a wild card game. But what if you give Derrick Henry another week? You know, what if you win this game, you win it comfortably, you get the bye, so you give him this week of practice, or this half week of practice on Wednesday, this week of practice, all of the bye week practice and the divisional round prep practice. He'd have two and a half weeks of just practicing um, to make sure the foot's okay and make sure he's in shape so he can have his workload, or not even his true workload, because they've got a couple other good backs now, to do his load against whoever they play in the divisional round. Um, so this is huge for Tennessee to get it. I think Tennessee's going to dominate this game. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel is 60 minutes away from coach of the year, uh, 60 minutes away from a bye, um, giving Derrick Henry all the time in the world to get ready. So I think that the Titans are going to win this game comfortably. Chargers at Vegas. Vegas plus three. Take the Raiders. Now, I the reason I'm doing this is I think I figured out the Chargers roller coaster. They were down two weeks ago. So what did we do? We jumped on their number last week. Nailed it. This week, what, what does the roller coaster do? Up and down. And now it's time for the down. Um, I think the Chargers are going to have a down game. I think, the, I think the Raiders actually win this game outright um, and send the Chargers home packing. But I believe that the Raiders will definitely cover the three. If the Chargers win, it'll be a very, very, very close game. Maybe walk off field goal at the end. Um, so with that being the case, I've got the Raiders winning a do or die game. Up next, Kansas City at Denver. Kansas City has to play this game because Kansas City is going first. So Kansas City doesn't know the result of Tennessee's game. And actually, the result of KC's game may dictate the Tennessee game, although I highly doubt KC loses because uh, I got them covering the 11 points against Denver. Because, again, they don't know what Tennessee is going to do on Sunday. So if KC comes out, blows it, Tennessee rests everybody because now there's no threat of anybody coming to get them. However, if Kansas City, which I expect them to do, win this game, then they put all the pressure in the world on Tennessee to go out and beat Houston. I think uh, Denver doesn't have enough offense. Kansas City can score 30, 35, 40 points. I think Denver's max right now may be 20 uh, with uh, their situation at quarterback with Drew Locke. So if I had to guess the score, I would say 34, 13, 34, 17, maybe. Uh, Kansas City is going to cover that 11. In Arizona, minus six and a half at Seattle. Now, this was the game that troubled me the most. Here's why. The Cardinals will not be lower than the fifth seed. Presumably, the Cardinals cannot go lower than the fifth seed. Therefore, their scoreboard watching 49ers and Rams. If the Niners are up, the Cardinals are going to keep playing hard to try and get the win because they can get the division back and host the first round instead of going to Dallas for the, for the first round. However, if they look at that scoreboard and it's 30 to three halftime Rams, then they might shut it down and say, look, there's no point in risking injury. We'll shut it down, uh, get ready for Dallas in a week. So this is a game that's going to be very interesting. I'm going to say San Fran keeps it close enough 
where Arizona feel like they have to continue to play, continue to push. Um, that being said, I've got Arizona covering the six and a half versus Seattle. Uh, I feel like that was an outlier game more than anything uh, when Seattle played the Lions. The Lions are not very good. They finally got blown out the water. Um, they're trying to pack it in now. So I've got Arizona covering six and a half against Seattle. So just for a recap, Indy minus 11 over Jacksonville. Tennessee minus 10 over Houston. Uh, Vegas plus three over the Chargers. Kansas City minus 11 over Denver and Arizona minus six and a half over Seattle. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to talk about the NBA and what's happening there. Um, and I'm bringing this up mainly because I want to talk about some player beasts with their own fans. Uh, this has been entertaining recently. I don't know if you guys have noticed it. I know you guys have seen it, but I've seen it. I think it's pretty gosh darn funny. But as always, we're going to jump right into the standings. Um, out east, we've got Bulls, Nets. Bucks, Heat, Sixers, Cleveland would hold the last automatic qualifier spot. And then the playing tournament would feature the Raptors, the Hornets, the Wizards, and the Knicks. Currently, Boston is the 11th seed. Atlanta is the 12th. So two playoff teams last year that went pretty far. Um, or two teams that we expected to go pretty far currently not even in the play-in. And out west... We have Phoenix, who's the first team to reach 30 wins, Golden State, Utah, Memphis, Dallas, and the Lakers are holding the last automatic qualifying spot, the sixth seed, and the play-in tournament will feature the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Spurs is the last spot in the play-in tournament. But like I said, I brought the NBA for one reason, one reason only. There has been a beef with fans and their own team. So it started a couple, a few days ago. Tobias Harris, the Sixers weren't playing well. Tobias Harris wasn't playing great, and the Sixers fans started booing Tobias Harris. So then a little while later in the game, Tobias Harris hits a shot, and the team starts coming back. And Tobias Harris is ye- literally yelling at them, "Don't you effing cheer! Like, don't clap, don't cheer, don't share in the joy. You just booed us 30, 45 minutes earlier. Like we couldn't hear that. Like." You know, and now you're going to flip on us, flip back on our side and cheer for us. Like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Last night, Julius Randle thumbs down the Knicks crowd because same situation. They were struggling and the Knicks were booing and stuff like that. And then when they came, when they started coming back, the crowd starts cheering. So Julius Randle thumbs down his own Knicks garden crowd. Basically, keep that same energy. You had that booing. You had that disrespect you had all that no 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 no. don't switch it now when we start coming back like keep keep it over there keep it over there when, when Evan Fournier was missing and RJ Barrett couldn't throw a brick in the ocean and I was playing bad no nah, keep it over there don't don't bring it back don't um, bring the good energy when Evan Fournier turns like he's in a FIBA tournament again and goes ballistic hitting 10 threes and RJ Barrett hits a crazy game winning shot and Randall gets his act together like no nah, don't don't bring the energy back like so this has been incredibly entertaining. 
Like, this has been one of, like, even uh, Memphis guard John Morant spoke about it. He was like, it's weird. Like, these same people were giving me MVP chance two weeks ago, and now I'm hearing them boo me. Like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a very, you know, players pick it up about it now. Like, no, like, cheer me and cheer me or boo me and boo me. Don't boo, cheer, boo, cheer. Like, pick a side and stick on it. Um, and so that has been incredibly interesting this this year um, with those three incidents, really. But especially those last two in the past week. Um, and I just want to make a formal announcement. Also, uh, LeBron James, the top three player in the world. And he's there with Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can pick the order how you wish. I would lean right now Giannis, Braun, KD. Um, or honestly, over this past couple weeks, LeBron, Giannis, KD. Um, LeBron's absolutely losing his mind at this point. Um, if he qualified, because he gets hurt for a little while, if he qualified, he'd be second in the league in scoring. Or first in the league in scoring, second in minutes, something like that. He's top two in scoring. It's just, it's ridiculous. He's nailing jumpers. He's hitting threes. He's driving and dunking. He's yelling at the Kings bench, telling him he's a M, telling them he's the MFM problem B. I mean, it's just LeBron is on another one right now. Um, currently, he's my best show in basketball. I'm just gonna be perfectly honest. He is my best show in basketball right now because of what he's doing on the court, controlling every single aspect of every single dribble. Um, it, it's it's pretty impressive what LeBron James is able to do right now uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers team. Russell Westbrook seems to be getting more and more comfortable in his role. Um, and he had no turnovers for the first time in like 405 games, like six and a half years, something like that. Um, was his first time he hadn't had, he, had, he went a game with zero turnovers. Um, so that's a good sign. That means that it's starting to jail. And I spoke about it. When they first put it together, LeBron teams take about a month. Russell Wilson's team take about two to three months. Put it in the middle, you get two months. <laughs> it's going to take them two months to jail and get their life together. That's assuming health. Thanks to COVID and thanks to Anthony Davis spraying MCL, they haven't played together often. Um, the Lakers are already trying to start to tweak the roster. They, they've jettisoned uh, Raja Rondo out of town to Cleveland. Um, they brought in Stanley Johnson. They like him a lot. Now they're trying to jettison DeAndre Jordan out. I've heard rumors that Trevor Ariza may also be jetted out um, to try and get some youth legs because Kendrick Nunn's about to come back. So you're going to presumably try to find minutes for Kendrick Nunn. Uh, THC starting to play better again. Um, and, of course, LeBron's being LeBron. And when Anthony Davis come back, that's 30 to 34 minutes. People are going to have to give up. Like Carmelo that was used to playing heavier minutes right now, he's going to have to give those minutes back up. Some of them, anyway, to Anthony Davis when he returns. Also, don't know how they're going to play. Probably why they're trying to jettison DeAndre Jordan because you don't need DeAndre Jordan, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard. You pretty much only need Dwight Howard to play legitimate center minutes when Anthony Davis isn't, isn't either up to do so or isn't um, he's not smart to play him on a like a Jokic or an Embiid. You know, let a guy like Dwight bang with them um, and eat up those six fouls if he has to. Maybe keep a reserve big on the bench uh, for and when uh, Dwight Howard gets in bad, bad foul trouble, keep a guy you can just put on the E-files. Um, but there's no need to have a guy like DeAndre Jordan on the team. So they're, probably, they're, they're looking for ways to jettison him out. Um, as a Pelicans fan, I'm going to update you all on Zion Williamson. So the Pelicans released a statement yesterday. Um, stating that Zion is continuing his rehab. He has not ramped back up yet. 
He's continuing his rehab away from the team um, at this time because they, they mutually agreed it was better if he did so away from the team, uh, away from the organization. And um, sources have found out that he's in Portland rehabbing. Um, so that is where he is rehabbing from his latest foot injection in order to try and promote healing. He released a statement saying that he loves the city of New Orleans, wants to represent New Orleans and the Pelicans properly. Uh, can't wait to get back on the court. Basketball is his life, etc. Um, very, very nice statement from Zion. Uh, we don't ever hear him speak, but we do get very nice statements. Uh, he's, and I'm taking these words as from him, as gospel from him. Um, because you get rumors and stuff. You get unnamed family members and stuff like that, but you never get it from him directly. So these, these words are quoted to be from him uh, through a statement. So I uh, can't wait for Zion to get back on the court. I had originally postulated All-Star break. I should have that last, I said probably All-Star break. That's in a few weeks. I don't know if he'll make it for All-Star break. Um, I hope he does. They're supposed to provide an update whenever they have one. Um, but, you know, they um, are posh, you know, I postulated the All-Star break. I mean, that's in what, a month and a half, maybe? He may get back for All-Star break. Uh, I said February 1, but after this, I, I, I got hope for February 1, but after this, I'm going to say All-Star break is when I would assume Zion Williamson returns to the basketball court for the Pelicans. Uh, speaking of return to the basketball court, Kyrie Irving has returned. The prodigal son has returned. Um, he was outperforming there by Lance Stevenson for a minute. Lance to make him dance had 20 in the first quarter. Uh, eight or nine shooting. Lance was in fuego. Uh, but Kyrie Irving, the Nets, uh, KD, Harden, ultimately were too much coming down the stretch and that's pretty much what their life is going to consist of when all three are available is a whole lot of ultimately this was too much um for most teams to stand up against and Kyrie Irving was able to help close the game towards the end um but now he's out until they can get back on the road again so it's a very interesting situation basically Steve Nash is gonna have to have two rotations ready when Kyrie's there when Kyrie's not there um so that'd be interesting role bouncing for whoever the Nets are going to keep subbing in and out for Kyrie in the starting lineup. Um, but Steve Nash has not been the greatest of in rotations. He pushes the Kevin Durant go 48 minute button often a lot more than he should. Um, so hopefully he can manage the rotation so that way we can see as many of these guys uh, healthy as humanly uh, possible. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a talk about the first meeting in the SEC between LSU women's coach Kim Mulkey and South Carolina coach Don Staley. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to talk about women's college basketball, which ESPN, you dropped the ball. That should have been on ESPN. Damn sure on ESPN, too, not being stuck on ESPN+. Plus. But Dawn Staley and her number one ranked South Carolina Gamecocks visited Kim Mulkey and her 13th ranked LSU Tigers for the first time since Mulkey has joined LSU, obviously, and the SEC. Now, these two have had a pass. Baylor and South Carolina have battled before. Um, but this is the first time they've done it as conference foes. First time where in order for one of them to get where they have to go, 
they have to go through the other one. Think about it. If you're gonna win the SEC tournament, Kim Kim Mulkey or Don Staley or both is gonna be in your way. If you wanna win the SEC regular season title, Kim Mulkey or Don Staley is gonna be in your way. Um, and so now they're on the, they're in the same conference, opposite divisions though, but that doesn't really matter in basketball. Um, they're in the same conference, so they're gonna have to go through each other in order to win. I mean, that's that's a pretty simple situation. In order to win the SEC, in order to be the, the team in the conference, they're going to have to go through each other. Um, now, Don Staley spoke about post-game, her respect for Nikki Fargus, who was the coach the past few years at LSU, and how there's a different level of support, it seems, for Kim Mulkey, and how uh, Nikki Fargus may potentially still be the coach at LSU if um, she was given the support Kim is. I understand that LSU girls won nine games last year or some, some very small amount. I think, I believe it was nine. Kim Mulkey's 13 and two. Like I understand the support, but she got transfers in there. Nikki Fargus couldn't reach. She, Kim Mulkey's already pulled in a better record than Nikki Fargus has ever. Like one of the better records. She's got more wins already than Nikki Fargus may have ever had in a season. It, it's a different level. Um, LSU girls were a second-ranked program under Nikki Fargus. Under Kim Mulkey, they're number 13 in the country already. Um, and so, I, I, again, I like Nikki Fargus. She has a hell of a job. She's the president of the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. Hell of a job. Um, and well-respected, obviously, by people like Don Staley. So, well-respected in the business. But she just wasn't right for the coaching job at LSU. Kim Mulkey's there now. So, that's going to be the war. That's going to be the war. Don Staley versus Kim Mulkey will be the war Every single time they play. Unless Don Staley goes NBA, I don't see her leaving South Carolina. I don't think she's taking for a South, I don't think she'd take a WNBA job. And I know at this point Kim Mulkey's not leaving LSU. LSU's the last stop on her coaching journey. So she was LA Tech to get her start, Baylor, and now she is South Carolina and now she is uh, LSU, excuse me. But it was a great game, very competitive contest. Uh, LSU had the lead for most of the game. South Carolina took over in the mid-third quarter. Um, and that's just, I, 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 that was a recruiting game. That was South Carolina was Don Staley having her program up and running full fledged. I mean, Boston, uh, the, um, uh, the, the post in the middle dominated, uh, LSU. She had 18 rebounds, 19 points. Um, at one point the rebounding gap was 40 to 18 and LSU was only down two. Um, so Kim Walker's going to get her LSU program rolling. She's got a great recruiting class coming in. Um, and they're going to be rolling and ready to go. Um, and it's going to be a battle. Like I said, it's going to be a battle between Kim Mulkey and Don Staley for every recruit um, because she's at the Don Staley at the top of the Southeast and Kim Mulkey's basically as far west as you can count the Southeast. So they're going to be fighting over the same prospects and Kim Mulkey's got her great base in Texas as well. So they're going to be fighting over the same prospects, uh, fighting over the same conference all time. It's going to be all time battles, just like the first one was last night. Um, so definitely can't wait to see more of that. But that is all we have for today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, don't forget to uh, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow and interact with the social media pages at JTime Sports. Um, and that is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.